As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Swing and a wide drive, base hit right field. Max Scherzer has done it again. Do you believe it, Howie Kendrick? Part two. The celebration is on. The Washington Nationals are the world champions. As we wind down the regular season and what's looking to actually be just, I guess, the season for the Nationals at this point, it's really hard to believe, guys. Todd Dives, Chase Hughes, Nick Ashew, Nationals Talk Podcast. We, like, I, I know we knew this would be weird, right? A 60-game season, it was going to go quickly. But we're at the point now where we're looking forward to next year. We're seeing guys also on top of that, their season's essentially coming to an end, and maybe their time's coming to an end with the Nationals as well, with news and Sean Doolittle and Howie Kendrick and, and what the future of their team, their, their time with the team is going to be. I think just overall, looking at the way this has gone, it's felt really fast because the Nationals have played essentially every day uh, – I guess we knew this was going to be the case, right? But I think, Todd, being here now in this position where we're looking towards the future, a lot of this team and a couple of players uh, specifically, you talked to Sean Doolittle, I know, for a long time the other day. Uh, this is now into what comes next mode for the Nationals. Yeah, very much so. And um, even last week, Davey Martinez was asked about Howie Kendrick being on the injured list, meaning that he's unlikely to play again this season. And then, Sean Doolittle's oblique injury um, at the time made it appear unlikely that he was going to play again this season. Uh, and he told me he's definitely not pitching. I mean, he was already making re- off-season rehab plans. So uh, no matter what happens, he will not be pitching again uh, this season for the Nationals. And it has this weird vibe to it because they never got to celebrate. They never got to take the victory lap. Um, they never got their act together as a group on the field again. And now two of these guys who were very important pieces, you know, not just last year, but before as well, but in particular last year. I mean, obviously Howie Kendrick had the best, best year of his career, career, this, you know, complete well, outlier year well, to help them win the World Series. There's a chance he could be back. There's a mutual option for him to play next year. And he said his kids don't want him to retire. So that could be a factor, but if he's tired of his hamstring problems and, you know, who knows what he's going to decide to do. And in Sean Doolittle's case, he's going to be a free agent in a terrible free agent market. So we'll see where he ends up, but he's adamant that he wants to continue to pitch. Uh, even though he, when he was in Oakland, he actually thought if I ever win the world series, that's going to be it. And I'm going to walk away. But 
missing baseball actually during the shutdown kind of shifted his brain about that. And so he's going to keep on going and try to try to find a new team uh, and maybe he can return. The odds of that are probably low, but it's possible. Yeah, Todd makes a really good point that the end of the season is kind of arriving very quickly. And when you look at it in the context of them being defending World Series champions, then a lot of this stuff is really sped up in terms of the timeline of some of these guys playing out their final days in D.C. And um, right now, Sean Doolittle and Howie Kendrick, that looks like a distinct possibility to the point that we saw Davey Martinez get choked up when asked about it. And that's probably a preview of more to come because there's other guys who might be playing out their final uh, days here. Um, with Sean Doolittle, um, obviously that's the way this season is gone. Howie Kendrick, the hamstring injury, I'm not surprised. Once we heard about it in uh, spring training part two, I was saying it's, it's a very stubborn injury. I've covered hamstrings at baseball. It is by far the most stubborn injury in the sport. It's basically the Todd, Todd Dibus of injuries. Uh, it's that <laughs> stubborn. Um, and especially when you get up in age like that, uh, it's really tough. I mean, you can hit a ground ball. You can feel 100%. You hit a ground ball. You leg it out to first base, and all of a sudden, you tweak it again. I would consider bringing back Howie Kendrick. I mean, if I had to guess, I would say that both are probably not going to be back. Uh, Doolittle in particular hasn't been effective really the past two seasons. But Howie Kendrick was pretty good this year when healthy. Like it was just a few games before he got shut down that he was batting over 300. Um, I think they'll have to determine whether it was, you know, diminished bat speed or was it just the hamstring that held him back? Because now that you have, you know, an opening at first base and you have the designated hitter, I think you could justify bringing him, him back next season. Um, but you have to wonder how age is going to factor into the Nats offseason in general because uh, it seemed like, though, having older, more experienced players worked out for them last year. We talked about the Viejos and everything. This offseason, that might be viewed very differently with the way this season went. Yeah, that's the thing, Chase. I mean, when you, when you look at teams that are older and what the Nationals did was actually really rare. I mean, people love to talk about the accomplishment they had, and they had veterans, and they were – like. Most of the time, it's really difficult to go through a season with a team that's as old as the Nationals were last year. But in some ways, I'm sure it helped them coming back from 19 and 31, which we like to say a thousand times, because <laughs> you have that, that veteran poise with a lot of different players there. But then that also leads to you know, injuries. And, and guys, we see it often in sports where all of a sudden when a player starts to age, a lot of times, it's like that. Like all of a sudden, they just fall off of a cliff. And We've seen a lot of guys struggle at the plate this year. We've seen, you know, we see obviously Sean Doolittle and his struggles. And you could go up and down the list of players that have had inconsistent years at best this season for them. And, and I get we want to look at the extenuating circumstances, which is fair. But it would be stupid for this team to not look up and down the board and make some drastic changes this offseason. And I got to be honest with you guys, if it means taking a step back for another season or two, but you get younger and you replenish your farm system and you bring in some youth and you bring in some new talent that can sort of grow into some of these positions, that, that's the better move for them, especially given the fact that they won the World Series. And you certainly didn't see anything other than regression this year with this team, even in a short year. You, you, you really do at times have to take those steps back and then all of a sudden you, you, you know a younger team can, it can all just click all at once. I mean, really, I think of like the 2012 Nats where they overachieved that year. They were young. The expectations were maybe they'll be the second wild card team. And I think most fans were like, that'd be great. It'd be cool. They'll make the playoffs after how bad this team has been. And then all of a sudden everything clicked ahead of schedule. So there's certainly an opportunity where if they do take a step back, let's say next year and get younger, they can still actually – build towards a long-term future again too 
Yeah, the complication there is you have one more year, Max Scherzer, Patrick Corbin, and Steven Strasburg. So you have so much money invested there that the rest of the team has to be up to snuff with them. I think there's going to be some interesting decisions, not just around the veteran guys, like will Adam Eaton's option be picked up? Um, obviously, as Jubal Cabrera can be a free agent, Eric Thames can be a free agent. What will happen with Ryan Zimmerman? Is he going to play? Do they want him to play? Does he want to play? But also the young guys. And I think there's a possibility that Luis Garcia could end up as a third baseman um, next year. And so what does that mean for Carter Keboom? Do they move him to second base? Do they try him at first base as part of the mix? Is he, if there's a minor league system, is he back in Fresno? Um, and kind of starting there and to kind of get his bearings again, because he hasn't been able to do that during his time up here, his second time up here, hasn't shown us anything different than before he went to the alternate site in Fredericksburg. So you know, they have young guy decisions too. And um, in addition to the older players going away and they just have to retool to accentuate that starting pitching for one more year because, um, you know, Max Scherzer, it's been really weird this year after pitch 90, after pitch 100, his outcomes have been very bad. And in the past, when he got to that point, is where he really dug in and did well um, and kind of had to always built himself to perform in that section of the game. And it's not happening this year. And I'm curious if they think it's a blip or it's the reality of the kind of pitcher he is now, because then they need to structure things accordingly as well. You know, generally speaking, when it comes to uh, older veterans, guys in their mid thirties, they called them Viejos last year. I really wonder what the takeaway from the front office and Mike Rizzo was from last season. You know, did they just catch lightning in a bottle and have these veterans who clicked at the right time uh, and now they need to go younger this offseason because that was just an aberration? Or do they see what happened last year is sort of a key ingredient to competing for and winning a World Series? Is that something that they're always going to try to mix in moving forward is like three or four guys who are 34, 35 years old who maybe used to be all-stars um, but now are asked to do something in a much smaller role? I don't know. Um, I would guess that they're going to get younger. Uh, you saw this year what can happen when you have too many guys who may be aging out or, or declining in terms of durability, and they couldn't stay healthy. And I think it was one of the reasons why their season went south. Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings. Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at. And olive oil on ice cream is the cherry on top. And they know when you bundle home and auto with Allstate, you can save up to 25%. Mm -mm. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois. They're going to have a lot more than just, you know, decisions right now when it comes to, I mean, look, here's one thing we know, and you see this all the time. There are going to be players that will not be back with the Nationals that fans will be upset aren't there. It's bound to happen. There's at least one or two players that's just not going to be with this team next year. And maybe Sean Doolittle is that guy, and maybe it's other players, but they're going to make tough decisions this offseason that a lot of people aren't happy with. And you know, this comes on the heels of, of course, Bryce Harper leaving, which actually I felt like most people didn't care. It's like people were so sick of Bryce Harper, which I felt like was kind of unfair given the fact that 
it was more based on money than anything else, right? Everybody was like, Todd was sick of talking about him. That's for sure. <laughs> it's, I, Todd loves to talk about Bryce Harper and rain delays. Those are like his two. <laughs> but yeah, and look, and then you have, you know, you, Anthony Rendon gone. He doesn't get re-signed. And now you've got Trey Turner, certainly the next one up. His contract runs to what, 2022. And he's going to likely be owed a lot of money. And we'll put you know, Victor Robles aside for a second. And we can, of course, put Juan Soto aside for the second because those contracts are also going to be something down the road. But, like, if you just look at Trey Turner alone right now, th that's the next real big deal this team is going to have to think about. And there's a certain point where, like, you can't continue to let your – I know he's not technically a homegrown guy, but Trey Turner is essentially a homegrown guy. They got him when he was a minor leaguer, so we count him as a homegrown guy. There's a certain point where, as an organization, you can't let, like, all of your homegrown guys go because fans are going to start to just get – wonder like what's the direction of the team where are you going and I, I just really hope that Trey Turner is not the next guy up where they try to play hardball with him but you know there's there's there is a very good chance that that is the next real contract discussion and battle with this team of course Davies contract aside yeah Mike Rizzo said that they talked to Turner about a possible extension in February at the first spring training um, and when he sat down with us in January Turner said that he was open to whatever he would, he would consider certainly signing an extension before he hit free agency. If the numbers were right. Um, and he said, I, you know, he thought it was generally quote unquote foolish. If you didn't listen to that and you were just stubborn and went straight all the way to free agency and took it from there. So he'll be a free agent in 2023 or can be a free agent in 2023. And there's no, as much as we've seen kind of flashes from Luis Garcia and he looks like he's going to belong in the major leagues, there's no one who, you know, if you pluck out Trey Turner, you say, oh, we have this to put in. And um, there's no, just no one at that level in the organization. So uh, either close or coming in the next few years, which means he's going to cost you. Um, he's also going to be 29 when he becomes a free agent. Uh, the third baseman you just mentioned was 29 as well. And when people started to talk about six, seven, eight years for him, they're like, well, you know, he's going to be in his mid thirties and he's going to decline. And that's too long is one of the arguments. Um, I didn't buy that argument for Rendon, especially because we knew the DH was coming to the national league and you can move him to first base. You can make him a DH. His swing is not a violent swing. It's a very smooth, hands-based swing uh, that I think is going to age very well. And so I thought that was the argument for him even into his mid-30s that he could still be a very capable hitter. And if you change his position, he'll be a very capable defender. Uh, the question for Turner is when it comes to age, and you said this off the top, Nick, about when people get older, athletes get older, you know, sometimes just a switch hits and, and they slow way down. Yeah. And this is a speed-based player. Um, that's always a concern. It's almost a little bit to me like a John Wall situation, right? Like what, what does John turn to when he's not the fastest dude in the league with the ball going up and down the court? Uh, so, you know, that, that's, that's the biggest question to me is what do you think Trey Turner will be when he's 33, 34, 35? Um, obviously we're seeing him grow into the player, uh, they thought he was going to be, which is a very well-rounded player, one of the better players in the league uh, at a very important position. Just the huge question is how much do you want to pay 
for the decline, um, which always happens in long-term contracts. So um, that's the wrinkle to me is how the organization won't want to pay that part or get into that section of a contract. Trey Turner and his agent definitely will. And that's where they're going to butt heads. You mentioned how much money are they going to pay him? Well, how much is he worth? I wrote about this uh, last week, the shortstop position. There's not a whole lot of clarity in terms of what the top players are worth because as it stands currently, it's basically the lowest paid position on the diamond. If you look at all the positions in baseball, relief pitchers set that aside because it's different. But every other position has a player that's higher paid than the highest paid shortstop, both in terms of average annual value and total money for their contract. The highest paid shortstop in baseball is Xander Bogarts of the Boston Red Sox. In 2019, last year, he signed a six-year deal worth $120 million. That's not even close to the money that Anthony Rendon or Manny Machado got to play third base, which is just moving one spot over. Um, and Bogarts, by the time he signed his deal, already had two silver sluggers. He had an all-star appearance. So he was a more accomplished player than Trey Turner. Now, Trey Turner, his numbers now are better than Bogarts' numbers were then. Uh, he's got more home runs. He's got way more stolen bases. He's got a higher OPS. So is it going to be closer to the Bogarts deal, or is he going to command something that's closer to what Anthony Rendon got? I think it's tough to tell. Another factor in all this is after next season, five all-star shortstops are going to hit free agency, potentially, if, they, if everyone opts out or if all the things go the way they look. Francisco Lindor, Corey Seager, Trevor Story, Carlos Correa, and Javi Baez. So the market could change dramatically. Like Bogarts right now, leads shortstops in all money categories, but um, it hasn't always been the case where it's been a low paid position. I mean, look at A-Rod back with the two contracts he got uh, back in the day. So if I were to throw some numbers out there for uh, Trey Turner, I'd say maybe uh, six years, 150 million. If you're just trying to make him the highest paid player in the sport, that'd be 25 million a year compared to Bogarts is 20 million. But I have a feeling he's going to command a, a lot more than that. I think you're probably starting at $25 million per year and working your way potentially up from there. And you're probably looking at a longer deal, too. And this is one of the big problems with baseball. The length of deals in the sport, and I know we're stuck with it because this is the reality of it, it's too long. Like, nobody should be signed to an 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13-year contract. Like, all of these that we've seen. <laughs> It's, it's asinine with what these contracts are. These lengths should not be this long, but that's how it's been collectively bargained. It's allowed, so they're going to do it. It's like, I think of when people are complaining in football about the price tag that you're getting for quarterbacks, and it's like, well, this guy got paid this, so the next one up gets paid this much more because he's the next guy up. It doesn't make any sense. It's stupid business, but in the end, it's the reality of the sport, so you have to work within the confines of what you've actually been given. So the reality of it is for the Nationals, I mean, Todd, you talk about – uh, you know, Trey Turner being, you know, 29 when his contract's going to be like dealing with his age, there's a good chance if he maybe does get offered a seven, eight year deal, the nationals are either going to have to give him like, let's say, you know, he hits free agency and there's you know, another team and it's like, well, we can match like whatever the case is, there's a good chance that you're going to have to come to the table with more years because most of these guys certainly want longevity. They want security. And, and Look, who knows? The Nats may defer half of that money to at least 50, 60 years old because that's what they love to do. I don't know. But the reality of this is, is you have very long contracts and have to commit to star players for far too long in baseball. I don't think there's any chance they get something done this offseason. I don't think that there's any way because as we've seen, 
they put things off until the last minute with like everybody's contract, right? Like we were sitting here wondering when Rizzo was actually going to get his deal. He finally got his. We're sitting here at this moment wondering when Davey's going to get his contract. Still waiting on that. So I don't see any chance that they get this resolved this offseason with Trey Turner. Yeah, I think they'll try to talk to him about it. Uh, I will be surprised that if, if they get it resolved this offseason, in particular because all the owners are going to tell everybody how poor they are after losing revenue all season long. So before this season started, the owners were telling I noticed, us. I noticed some animosity and some sarcasm in your voice there, Todd. Is there <laughs> anything you want yeah, to dig into a little bit there? I don't <laughs> – <laughs> I don't know. I'm having a good day so far today, Nick. And whenever <laughs> I think about this, it makes my head hurt. Um, when that group of people is talking about how they don't have funding, uh, it just, I find it astonishing. Um, it, it, I, it's like, if you want to strip it down, it's like cash flow versus, you know, future finances, right? But the reality is, nobody on earth has ever sold a North American sports franchise and be like, dang, we just lost like $50 million. It doesn't work that way, ever. Donald Sterling made money, okay? <laughs> he was a racist, terrible owner who ran an organization into the ground and then made a huge profit. Owning, so, owning, owning a major sports franchise is idiot-proof, Todd. It really, it's yeah. idiot-proof. You, you, just hang on to it for a little bit. You think real estate, you make money? Own a sports franchise if you got the money to pony it up. You may not make money on a day-to-day -day basis. Hang on to it for a few years and sell it, and you're going to make a massive profit. Look at Daniel right. Snyder. I mean, how could you possibly run an organization yes. worse? <laughs> yeah, but yet they're still like a top 10 most valuable for NFL franchise. Or, or I think even just like out of all the major North American sports. And that's because of fan bases. Like that has nothing to do with – like you can have a terrible team and still come out on top just because you – just own the team in a major sport. That's all that it takes. Yeah. We should so, just buy a team. I, I'm thinking about that. You guys want to get together and just buy a team? Let's, yeah. let's um, yeah, I think we could, yeah, I think this will work. Let's buy the Mets. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what, what do you think we could, if we pulled our cash, what kind of team could we buy? Like <laughs> something in an independent league in Wisconsin and have like a <laughs> ownership stake? I, I was thinking about starting off by just maybe sponsoring a local team, like a rec league team for kids somewhere. Yeah. Like baseball team i think we start there we sell that start making profits start flipping different teams we go to different levels so in about 20 years we may get ourselves to like an independent team somewhere just give it a couple decades yeah that should work fine so <laughs> that's why it's going to be really hard this off season for anyone to get it to get a big number and i think the person who pointed that out the most to us is mookie betts um obviously if the dodgers offer you a very large sum of money, people are going to be apt to take it. But also, he this whole thing was set up so service time would move this year and he would become a free agent no matter what. That was very important to the players' union when figuring this out. Well, guess what? He didn't. He looked at the landscape and was like, well, I'll take this, you know, still very lucrative offer um, from this very good organization and, and just call it good instead of pitting everybody against each other. Um, so... You know, I think we're going to see a slow winter, which will mean nothing major will get done for Trey Turner yet. But I'm sure they will discuss it further and try to figure out where each side is at. I don't think they're going to get anything done this offseason. I mean, look at past precedent for the learners. They love to draw this thing out. I mean, even with Mike Rizzo recently, even with Davey Martinez currently. And I don't know if it's going to go the same way as Anthony Rendon or Bryce Harper, but I'm sure it's going to take a long time. You know, if you look 
throughout their history of contract extensions, very rarely do they get something done early. I think the best example would probably be Steven Strasburg, who was done in May of 2016 with his first extension. Okay, that was like six months before he hit free agency. Trey Turner will be two years before he hits free agency. One example would be Ryan Zimmerman, who in February of 2012 got an extension. Uh, he was signed through the 2013 season at the time. But that's Ryan Zimmerman. I don't think Ryan Zimmerman as a precedent can be applied to anybody else. We all know why. He's just such a unique case in terms of what he means to the franchise, uh, being the first draft pick that they had, being their first star, the face of the franchise. So I don't think uh, Trey Turner is going to get the Ryan Zimmerman treatment. And I don't know if that precedent can be applied to anybody else, really. Yeah, I, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's this, is, this is the side of sports that we hate, right? I mean, like, if you're a fan, you don't want to hear about the business side of it. But the reality of the situation is it is still a business and you have to deal with contracts and players trying to get maximize their income. And look, I'm all for it. I'm all for player empowerment and maximizing your income. As long as you do it within, you know, the confines of the rules here, uh, this is, this is going to be one of the big decisions the nationals have to make. And we now come off of a season or we will, I mean, they're still playing, but we understand where this team's going at this point. There have been a lot of negatives to this year, a record aside, just individual things that have happened, but you also can chalk it up at least a little bit. And I don't think this is excuse making. This is, this is still a fact. It is a small sample size and a very unique sample given this, the, the year that we've had, given the season that we've had, given the restrictions and just all of the extenuating circumstances that are there. Like, for example, I, I, would, I would have expected to see more, like Steven Strasburg, I bet would have been handled a little bit differently had he not, you know, had this not been such a short season where they're just like, you know what, just, just be done for the year. Let's get you ready for a full season next year. Now I'm not going to sit here and I'll, I know everything about that carpal tunnel injury that he has because I'm not right. I could, I could Google it and I could pretend, but I can tell you right now I'm not, <laughs> but I would say this. I would expect maybe even just injuries as a whole with this team. Strasburg sort of headlines that to me, the team handling them a little bit differently. Had this been a longer season, as opposed to you're done, we're just shutting you down and shutting you down and shutting you down because you kind of realize this season's a wash. We're going to move on. Things might be approached differently then. Now, maybe, maybe I'm just thinking of rose petals and, 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 you know, candy canes with that. And I'm all excited and thinking everything's going to be fine with Steven Strasburg after signing that deal. And I really hope it doesn't go back to, you know, the injury prone early part of his career. I choose to think of that in an optimistic way. Could I be wrong? Maybe, but it just, I, I could see it have been handled a little bit differently with, if it wasn't just this short condensed season that we have. Could Nick be wrong? Tune in later to find out. Um, <laughs> That's why a, I'm not making any bets with this. There's no shaving of the head or anything like that if I'm wrong. So, Yeah, so of course it's been a weird season, but I'm also going to go back to, like, we're starting to have this discussion, and I'm seeing it percolate on social media, too. A little bit of, so what? It's a weird year, and it was going to be, like, asterisk champion and all those sorts of things. Well, that's not what we heard from the organization, they said, we are here to defend our World Series title. We well, what else would they say, though, Todd? Like, they're not going to say, eh, we're just going to have fun this year and eh, whatever happens, happens. Yeah, but they, don't, but they don't get both. You don't get to be adamant about, like, that you're just focused on being the defending champions and winning again and then at the end say, well, you know, I mean, what else are we supposed to say? Hey, they'll still be uh, the defending champions of a full season next year, so it's okay. Will yeah. they, though? Yes. It of a full season. 
Oh, well, yeah, that's a whole other question. As of now, that's the also optimistic fingers crossed on that too. All right. Yeah. <laughs> speaking, speaking of asterisks, you just had to add like five words to defend your position. <laughs> yes, I, be the, there's the, a lot the, of fine the, print there. <laughs> it's yeah. a very long asterisk that we're adding to this season. <laughs> It's like when we see stats now all the time. He's the first person since 1986 to average 20.2 points, 8.6 assists, 4.3 rebounds over 16 Tuesdays. I love stats, by the way, like that. I call them uh, overqualified stats. The best one I ever heard was, uh, it was like three years ago, uh, Texas football, uh, their freshman quarterback threw a touchdown, and it was like ESPN it was 73 yards tied for the third longest touchdown thrown by a Texas freshman. It's like, what? <laughs> you just made it meaningless. But you know, baseball certainly has that too, because baseball has so many very specific situational stats where you just get to the point where it's like, you know, the first batter under the age of 23 in his third at bat to lead off the game of the season with runners on, first on a Tuesday and a left-handed pitcher that's only pitched two seasons and it just gets to the point where it's just so deep in the minutia but it is impressive that we can find the ability to go and dig up all this crap too yeah so yeah it's a little overkill there but I, I still think the organization deserves some accountability for this because other organizations have figured out a way to do this well and they've had injury problems too but they've been able to hang in there and in this case this team just didn't play well they, you know, obviously Strasburg being hurt, major, major problem. Starlin Castro being hurt, problem. Carter Keboom not playing well, problem. You know, the, Patrick Corbin kind of being mediocre, problem. Max Scherzer not being able to pitch like into the sixth, seventh, or eighth, problem. The bullpen being reasonable? Like, did anyone have that on their bingo board as, as <laughs> like if the season crumbled, you'd be like, no, no, it's going to be all those, all these other things that will happen and, and undo this team. So really, I mean, that's, that's the only place to me where you can look quickly and say, oh, we figured out a few things in that space this year and coming around the bend, Kyle Finnegan will be in spring training next year, right? Uh, Tanner Rainey may be the closer next year. Um, they're going to have to figure out how to fix Daniel Hudson and, make Will Harris be better and kind of the guy that we're so used to seeing. Um, and there'll be other things to do down there too, but at least they found a couple pieces in that department. But overall, like the team didn't play well. It never did. It never got started. It hasn't played well all season. The quality of baseball has been low, especially for a team that was the defending world series champions and then had ample, ample, ample rest and started the season and never looked like they were ready to start the season. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating for the front office to determine this offseason um, what can be chalked up to a small sample size and what can't, right? I yep. think the rotation, as concerning as it is that one injury uh, is basically all it took to, you know, derail everything, I think the rotation will be fine because, you know, you still have Strasburg, uh, assuming he can return from that injury. You still have Scherzer, who's – Still pretty good. Maybe not past, past pitch 99, like Todd said, but he's still pretty good. You still have Corbin. You know, maybe your recent first-round picks, uh, Jackson, Rutledge, and Cade Cavalli, show you something. You know, you got to look closely at that area of the roster this offseason. Maybe they add something, but I still think they have enough to be a good rotation next year. I am a little bit worried about the lineup long-term because you have Trey Turner and you have Juan Soto, 
Um, but there's a lot of question marks outside of them. You know, Adam Eaton, he's only 31. I think he still has some baseball left in him, uh, but he hasn't been good this year. Victor Robles did not take a step forward. He's now 230 games into his MLB career. The sample size is growing there. He's not getting on base and he's not hitting for power, even though he was supposed to be that type of player as a prospect. Keyboom, um, Carter Keyboom, can't be relied on consistently at this point. As, as painful as that is for me to admit. I can see uh, it on your true. face. Did you, did you just actually, is there a tear dripping down your face right now, Jason? <laughs> that's, that's a tattoo, Nick. That's a tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. His, uh, his floor is lower than we thought. It, and his ceiling may be lower too. We'll see. Um, Eric Thames, if you look at his numbers this year, they're – the worst they've been in his career since 2011 and 2012. That was right before he went to Korea for like four years. So it's really bad for him. So, and, and you, it's like with the, the lineup, you, you sort of know what you have in the prospects to a certain extent. You've seen Carter Keboom up. You've seen Luis Garcia. Starling Castro, yeah, he could come back from uh, his injury, but it doesn't look like there's a whole lot of help on the way. They've got Trey Turner. They got Juan Soto. But after that, there's a lot of questions I think they got to answer this offseason that can't just be chalked up to a small sample size. Yeah, I mean, looking at the bigger picture to me, it's, it's clearly some of these young players and question marks as to whether they're part of the future or not. They're going to be consistent or not. And that's the big thing I'm still going to watch for the rest of this year. It's, it's your guy, Chase. It's Carter Keboom. I mean, listen – look, I'd say the youth in general on this team, but I certainly love to bring up Carter Keboom the most because there was so much – there were high expectations, fair or not, on him to achieve something basically filling in for Anthony Rendon. And whether that's fair or not, that, that's the case. I, I just – I do not believe that he has shown us anything to tell me that he will be a good major league player. I would love to be wrong for your sake, Chase, because I care about you, because I care about your feelings, and I want you <laughs> to be happy. But I see nothing that has told me Carter Keboom will be somebody that this team can count on on a consistent basis moving forward. It's been, it's been rough. And the, the, the main thing for me that jumps out is the problems that he had before the problems that he has now. Um, and so I don't know how you fix that necessarily in an off season. He's always, he's late. He swings and misses a lot. His plate discipline is pretty good. I would say that's, that's the only indicator to me that some of this could turn around. Right. Um, but his contact rate is so low uh, and he just doesn't seem pitch by pitch. He's not kind of course correcting. Uh, they throw him the same pitch often. He, they see a bad swing and then they throw it again. They get another bad swing. They throw it again. They get another bad swing and the at bats often over at that point. Uh, when you see a bad swing from Juan Soto, the next pitch, if they try it again, you don't see a bad swing. You see like either a good foul or he spits on it or whatever it may be. Um, that's always a little bit of an unfair comp when you're like, well, Juan Soto's doing this. Why isn't player X doing that? <laughs> right. Uh, you know, it's his just his natural talent in the box is astonishing and continues to be so, but still that's at a baseline uh, what they want Carter Keboom to be better at is that kind of pitch by pitch adjustment and um, sometimes in sports we see you either have it or you don't. And I, and I think when you watch Luis Garcia play, you think, oh, this guy has it, right? You don't know that his ceiling may be way up there, but he's not afraid. He's comfortable. He's having a good time. 
he's kind of situated with who he is and what's going on. Um, and you think you can see improvement coming for him at 20 years old. And he just kind of has that vibe about him, right? That he, he's comfortable at this level. And then you see that, then you see other people and you're like, this, this doesn't quite fit yet. Um, and that's how I feel when I watch Carter play right now, especially in the, in the batter's box. But again, I think the plate discipline is a really positive sign if they want to lean on anything to say that, you know, this could change, that would be the starting point. Um, I just don't know how, you know, how you get better at just doing the adjustment process, um, especially when you don't get to play much. He's going to have another bunch of months coming up where he's not playing games. So, you know, it, it, it's tough to figure that out in that setting. Would You guys probably know my answer to this question, but would you guys trade him this offseason? What are you gonna get? I don't know. I mean, would it would it constitute selling high? Because are we getting are we getting a prospect? Are we getting, a, are we getting a cheeseburger or just a regular burger in return? I'm not. It depends on what you get back. I think you. I think you're getting something back. <laughs> I mean, he's. Uh, if you look at the prospect list before they get updated, he's top 25. Now, when they get <laughs> updated, he might be around 50. Yeah. I would. I would hold on to him. I wouldn't sell low. Well, I think we know you that. would, Chase. You would hold on to him physically if you could right now. You'd give him a big hug. Well, it's interesting, like with Michael A. Taylor, in hindsight, they should have they sold high on him a long time ago, right? But with Lucas Giolito, they sold low, and now, like, yeah, you got out of meat and you, and you won a World Series, that's fine, but, like, Lucas Giolito's an all-star who just threw a no-hitter a few weeks ago. Yeah. And, you know, you're looking at your rotation and wondering what a guy like that would, uh, would look like in it. So I think that's a question they're going to have to face this offseason. I wouldn't trade Carter Keboom. I think I see more signs maybe than you guys. I see the plate discipline. I also see a really athletic player in the field, you know, maybe not at third base uh, long-term, but I think you could find a place for him. So um, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade him this offseason, but I'd be interested if you guys would lean towards yes. I, I, I would listen. If you could get something decent in return, I'd certainly consider it, but you do you, yeah, you run that risk of, of selling, low and then it coming back to bite you but i look i I don't think anything is off the table for this organization right now todd yeah i I just think the return would be so low and you are in a farm system situation where you're already ranked the 30th farm system um good point who knows how they determine that by the way but you know it's not good right like no one's drooling over the nationals farm system i think we can all agree on that and if this guy doesn't work and you send him out then basically you have sunk costs with him again right just like you did with lucas giolito and and some other guys reynaldo lopez dane dunning who made his major league debut this year and has pitched pretty well um all those guys went in the eaton trade so i think they have to figure out how to fix him uh as opposed to move him at this point and let's be honest with ourselves, now that Rizzo has a new contract, this gives you the opportunity to kind of replenish that farm system maybe a little bit and build towards something else. Like it's not he's, like he's operating on a one-year deal and you've got to think about, I've got to win now. This is, okay, let's, let's take that step back a little bit. Let's get some youth in here and let's start building for another long-term future for us. Because look, you guys mentioned it earlier, there, there are another there are guys like Max Scherzer that are getting older, that are still under contract. Like there's a lot of that stuff they have to consider moving forward as well. So I don't think there's any question that the, this off season is going to be one of the most important off seasons for the nationals that they've had in a long, long time. 
Chase, I want to come back to you because the tradition is always you. Do you have a walk-off, sir? I know the answer will be yes. I just don't know what the hell it is yet. <laughs> I do have a walk-off uh, this this week, and it's uh, it's technically cat-related, so you guys should be excited about that. But um, basically, my quarantine has been uh, pretty interesting because uh, my wife and I had a, a daughter in March, so now she's almost six months old. And I, because I'm home all the time, I get to see her do all these things for the first time, which is really cool. Well, just like this past week, she started noticing our cat. So now she's just <laughs> like, she'll just sit there and just watch her walk around the room. And every once in a while, just break out just into laughter, just like cracking up as the cat walks by. And it's the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life because she just thinks this, the, the sight of this cat is the funniest thing. And we'll just goofily like have a baby laugh just over and over and over for like several minutes at a time. You know what? That it's, you actually are very lucky to be able to see all that because as you know, we sometimes work some crazy hours in this business. So to be able to see all that uh, is certainly great. For me, mine's a little more simple. It doesn't have to do with cats, but it does have to do with <laughs> what I saw today. It's Todd wearing a hoodie today. Sleeveless Todd is, I think, gone. So now we're into hoodie Todd, which wow. has brought, uh, just to pull back the curtain, tons of technical difficulties putting this podcast together today. So Todd, if you could do us a favor and never wear a hoodie again for this, I think that would probably be the best. It is one. the hoodie. You're right. It's got to be the hoodie. Uh, we'll turn the heat back on, Nick. Somebody <laughs> turn the heat off. It's, dude, it's like 70 outside now. Stop being so soft. 58 degrees when we started this technical it disaster. It was not. You were such a liar. It was not 58. It was 58 like overnight. Right on my desktop. You're More so important, I want to point out that young Virginia in Chase's house is actually not laughing at the single cat. She is laughing because she's like, cat eight, cat five, cat 10, cat 11. Look at all these cats that my she's dad only had. three of them. <laughs> I'm stuck in this cat house. Um, this is gonna be interesting. So that's actually what's happening there. It's, it's laughter, she's laughing at you, Chase, not with you. She's like, man, that's a lot of cats. <laughs> I always just picture Chase sitting in a room with nothing but Carter Keyboom posters on the wall while his cats crawl all over him and he just listens to love songs and boys to men. So that, that's my <laughs> vision of Chase in his spare time. Does that count as your, um, your, your walk-off there, Todd, or are you going to have something else? No, nothing else. <laughs> my favorite tradition of the entire podcast. No fun, Todd, at the very end. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast yet, make sure you do. The Nat Stock Podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Don't just listen, subscribe. It's a lot easier that way. Give us a follow on Twitter. For Todd Dibus and Chase Hughes, Nick Ashy, we'll talk to you next time. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on the driver who treats the highway like a racetrack and the shoulder like a passing lane. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates Northbrook, Illinois.